Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Aaron Summers. The Saints fell 10-7 to to the Carolina Panthers Sunday in the Caesar Superdome. It was the final regular season game for the Saints and in the season 7-10 overall in head coach Dennis Allen's first season. There were a lot of really good moments that came out of this year and then a lot of games that I think the Saints would have liked to have back for just the fact that a couple things here or there really could have turned the season around for them and they'd be sitting in the postseason. Now, though, they, they do look ahead to the offseason and what can be done to fix some of those little things. Head coach Dennis Allen put it pretty simply. When you have an opportunity to put a team away and you don't do it, that's what you got to figure out. Here are a couple of, of his thoughts on how they're going to proceed over the offseason and the evaluation portion of things that's ahead of them. Certainly. You know, there'll be a lot of things going on uh, as we begin to get into this, you know, off season. Um, you know, we'll sit down over the course of this next week and and really discuss. When I say we, I'm talking about myself, Mickey, uh, Michael Parent, and Jeff Ireland, Kai, uh, the powers that be. We'll sit down and discuss uh, the season. Um, we'll we'll look at every aspect of our of our team, of our operation, uh, where, where are places that we need to improve, um, and then we'll come up with a plan moving forward. Um, you know, obviously disappointed in, in the record. Um, I don't feel like that's, well, it's certainly not the standard uh, that we want to be uh, here. Our, our, our goal is, is to uh, win championships here, and so, um, this year in that regard was not good enough. And uh, I think we all know that. And we're going to work extremely hard this offseason to, to get those things fixed and put ourselves back in a position where we're competing for championships. Coach Allen said he was really encouraged by some of the young players on the squad this season, people that stepped up in roles when there were injuries or different opportunities for them. He also evaluated himself a little bit, saying that he understands that the onus ultimately falls on himself as the head coach. Yeah, well, look, I think there's, I think there's a young nucleus of players that I think we can build on going forward. Um, you know, I was, I was pleased with, you know, the way that we – you know, kind of changed the tide a little bit defensively. I thought as, you know, the last half of the season, I thought we were one of the better defenses in, in our league. And so I think there's some some foundational pieces that we can that we can build on. Uh, certainly we've got to we've got to do a better job of finishing. Um, I think I said that last night, you know, there there's you know, I can think of Cincinnati, Tampa, this last game against Carolina, go back early in the year against Minnesota. I think there were some opportunities for us to close some games out and finish some games. We didn't get that done. And so that's that's going to be an area that if we can if we can learn how to how to finish games and close some of those games out, um, you know, not only this season, but seasons in the future will be different. Well, look, ultimately, I'm responsible for the uh, success or failure of the team. And so, uh, you know, I understand that responsibility and, and uh, uh, I look forward to the challenge of improving our team. 
defensive end Cam Jordan has always been more than willing to talk with us as members of the media here with the team. He was very honest about how he wished that this season had, had been different and was going to take the time to figure out what he could do to help that going forward. It's always a tough day when you're in the locker room and you know that some of those players may not be back here next year. And and Jordan was feeling that today. Um, I love the fact that I've been able to be in this city for 12 years. I love the fact that I've been a part of New Orleans uh, for this last dozen years. Um, I'm from year dozen to now, hopefully Baker's dozen. We'll see how that feels. Um, in terms of our D-line, I can only hope that a couple of my interior guys come back. I already know that, you know, whatever happens, I'm not going to get my way. <laughs> um, that's just from the dawn of time, seeing guys like John Jenkins and Akeem Hicks leave to Sheldon Rankins to, you know, all the way back to... Cedric Ellis to Turk McBride to, you know, there's so many guys over the years that you get to have relationships with and look up to. And, you know, Jay, Jay Richardson, it's been it's been a long it's been a long 12 years that you see guys come and go. Um, and it sucks. But at the same time, you gain friends uh, from, you know, the Kasim Metabolis who become technically a Kasim Jordan, you know, enter the family too. Uh, I don't know, Obum Guachem or, you know, all these all these rookies that come through and stay for a year or two or Al-Kadeem Muhammad or, you know, the Trey Hendricksons, uh, there's always going to be a, a connection there. Um, and you hope that they do well. You, you love when they succeed. Uh, and at the end of the day, once you leave this building, it's about who can help win in, in this building. For a season recap, bringing in only the best of the best, our senior Saints writer, John DeShazer, in studio with me today to break down this season, the Panthers game, and what he sees ahead of us over the offseason. John, thank you so much for joining me. It's good to have you actually in the studio, back in the building here. It's been an up and down season for the Saints. We're officially into the offseason. I guess what are your biggest takeaways from how this season went for the Saints. It was just, as you mentioned, up and down, just wildly inconsistent. Um, this team could not find its footing. It did win three straight, but, you know, three straight wins at the end of the season when you're already four and nine uh, doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Uh, we saw flashes on offense. We saw a really good, not flash, but sustained, I guess, sustained good play on defense. Uh, we saw spotty special teams, but when you're not consistent across the board, and especially offensively, if you're getting a, if you're getting good play defensively, which I thought the Saints did for the majority of the season, mm -hmm. but you can't put it together offensively, uh, you can't score enough, and this is now a scoring league, the NFL. It, it's hard to stop people, and yet the Saints were able, uh, opponents were able to stop them uh, consistently. Um, you just can't you can't expect a whole lot better than seven ten, unfortunately. When you look at the way the season went, I think that the defense definitely showed a lot of improvement. Tyron Matthew came on towards the second half of the season. Even Daniel Sorensen in a fill-in role because of injuries stood out over the past few games. What are some of the players or reasons why you think the defense started to click so well? Well, I mean, I thought the pass rush got a lot better, got a lot more consistent. Um, Cam Jordan, um, Carl Granderson, um, they had to send – 
uh, Demario Davis and Caden Ellis on blitzes, but they were getting home. So I thought the, the pass rush, it begins there. I thought the pass rush got better, uh, and that made the secondary better because you apply more pressure and you get the quarterback off his marks. You speed him up a little bit. You hit him a few times, and then you're able to get some of those throws uh, some of those passes that maybe you weren't getting earlier in the season. Saints run defense, they got to figure something out there mm-hmm. because they've been a superior run defense for four, five, six consecutive seasons. And this year it just fell off the cliff. Uh, they were still able to play really good, especially when you're talking about scoring defense. And that's what Dennis Allen says. Look, it, it, what matters is the scoreboard. And when you're able to hold opponents to 10, 15, 17 points a game, yeah, you have had a successful season. But the run defense, it begins there. If you can't stop people from running the ball, it's going to be tough to win games in the future. And so that's something they've got to be able to get back to. Maybe not holding teams to 90 rushing yards a game and 3.2 yards a carry, but it can't be in the 110, 120-yard range uh, where it got to this season where they just couldn't stop the run. But I thought really the defensive improvement started with the pass rush. I thought they really got after the passer as the season progressed and that made the defense just a whole lot better. Yeah, the Saints since week eight had held teams to under 15 yards or 15 points per game on average and were the number one pass defense in the league. So it was frustrating at times, the inability to stop the run. I think we saw that in the Panthers game, and that's why they were able to, towards the end of the game, hang around and kick that field goal to win. It almost felt like that Panthers game was just a a microcosm of everything that's happened this season, the inability to close out a game. And that's something that Coach Dennis Allen talked about in his end-of-season presser just earlier today. That's something that he highlighted several times as they need to figure out how to close out games. I mean, it sounds simple, but how do you figure that out? Well, good teams finish. Uh, Good teams don't commit penalties in bad situations, which the Saints did earlier in the season. Uh, Good teams don't turn over the ball as often as the Saints did. Uh, Good teams execute well in clutch situations. So if it's, you know, third and two, third and one, you convert that. You keep that clock running. You figure out a way to stay on the field on offense. And on defense, good teams don't give up a 16 to three lead on the road. Even if it's Tampa Bay and I don't care if it's Tom Brady, I don't care who it is. Mm -hmm. You don't give that up within the last half of the fourth quarter you figure out a way to finish out that game because you played them perfectly for three and a half quarters or for 50 minutes of a 60 minute game and then suddenly down the stretch you're unable to finish it out good teams figure out a way to finish out that game get off the field on defense or create a turnover or you get that possession on offense where you hog the football for seven minutes and you drain the clock. But that's what he's talking about. You figure out a way to get those conversions that you have to have on offense or defense. And if it comes to it, you figure out a way to, to, to win a game on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the Carolina Panthers game in the season regular season finale, uh, Will Lutz misses a 44-yard field goal and has a 55-yarder blocked. You figure out a way to make those kicks because they lost that game 10-7. One or both of those kicks, maybe you win the game. You put a different complexion on it if it's a 10-0 game as opposed to a 7-0 game. And Carolina's kind of hanging around even though they aren't doing anything. Mm -hmm. But they're looking at the scoreboard saying, well, if we get a play, 
we tie the game. <laughs> but if you're down 10-7, now suddenly it's, well, maybe we should be thinking about vacation plans instead <laughs> of worrying about the scoreboard. So, you know, you figure out a way to get those things done. And the Saints didn't do it consistently enough, unfortunately. And that's the thing that's got to be frustrating in the locker room. It's got to be frustrating to the coaches. I know it's frustrating to the fans. It's frustrating to us as people who watch the game. It's like, okay, can they just get a first down here to keep the clock running? And there were too many times where they couldn't. Well, let's talk about that offensive execution. It looked great. The first, the opening drive of the game. I mean, it was balanced four pass plays, four rush plays. You are distributing the ball to Alvin Kamara. Taysom Hill was coming in. He took a direct snap and several different players touched the ball. It looked like this game was going to go great for the Saints. Why couldn't they emulate what worked on that drive for the rest of the game and at many times over the season? Well, I'm going to give Carolina a little bit of credit here from this standpoint. Carolina didn't give up a ton of explosive plays. What the Panthers did was saying, okay, you you might score and you might get touchdowns, but you're going to have to take 10, 12 plays to get there. And during those 10, 12 plays, something bad is going to happen, whether it be a, whether it be, you know, a penalty, whether it be a turnover, unfortunately, Chris Olave fumble, mm-hmm. uh, but something's going to happen to where that drive is going to stall. And instead of getting seven points, on a 15-play drive, maybe it turns into a 10- or 11-play drive and you got to try to attempt a field goal. And so that's what Carolina did well in that game. Now, the Saints, from their standpoint, played pretty clean in the first half, almost as clean as you can play, but they couldn't get points on the board. And at some point, I think, psychologically, it starts to kind of fool with you where you're saying, hmm. man, we're playing pretty well. We look at the scoreboard as 7 nothing. We fumble one away. We get a turnover. We don't score on that. Um, this team has I, – I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team with, with minus four net passing yards at halftime. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't know if I've seen that before. They're negative four net passing yards at halftime, and they're within seven. So the Saints got to be looking at that saying, well, good grief. You know, and I don't know I, – I know players, you know, teammates aren't going to point fingers at one another, but – as just an observer, I'm looking at that saying, how in Hades does this happen where you're not farther away from this thing, where you don't have a bigger advantage? And, you know, I'm not a defensive player, but, I mean, you know, you, you're pitching a shutout and you're saying Man, they can't do anything and they're only a touchdown away. And then offensively you start looking at it saying, well, we played pretty good. And you look at the scoreboard and instead of 17 nothing, it's 7 nothing. So I think all those things start to kind of fool with you psychologically. And again, Carolina just says, okay, we're going to make you guys work for everything you get. We're not playing worth crap right now, but we'll make you work hard until we figure out something. Mm-hmm. And that's all Carolina did. They just hung around and just hung around and hung around until they made a play. Yeah, so you mentioned it. Uh, the minus four passing in the first half by the Panthers was the lowest halftime total allowed by the Saints since 1989 when they beat the Falcons, who had minus 15 passing yards through two quarters. So yeah. it doesn't happen no, often. It, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and you win those games. You win those yeah. games. You yeah, don't, they did you win, don't lose, right. Yeah, you don't lose those games. You win those games. Yeah. It, I mean, it was – it was crazy to watch that game. It was frustrating at times. And I think, as you said, the, the players felt that as well. I think they're sitting here today, you know, 
obviously not satisfied with how the season went. And there was so many expectations at the start of the season. How much do you think injuries played into that and just the the different dynamics in the coaching staff, having a new head coach, having co-defensive coordinators, just a lot of changes that happened? I think the biggest thing is is the injuries. And God, I I really hate to make injury excuses. Mm -hmm. But... You lose Michael Thomas. Now, you can make the argument that Michael Thomas hadn't played since 2019, so, you know, why would you expect him to play? You can make that argument. But the flip side of that is Michael Thomas looked fantastic yes. in training camp. Uh, he looked healthy in, in, in preseason. When he played that first game against the Falcons, he looked healthy. And you can see the difference that a guy like that would have made for this offense. It just would have been, if not night and day, it would have been pretty close because he commands – so much attention, and he's such a presence offensively for this team to lose him. And you can't replace a Michael Thomas. And when you try to, maybe kind of sort of with Jarvis Landry, he gets hurt. Right. And now suddenly that element, and we heard Dennis Allen talk about, you know, people making contested catches. Those are your guys who make contested catches, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. When you lose that element, now everything's got to be a lot more precise. You don't have that margin for error. If Michael Thomas is one-on-one with a guy, you throw it to him because Michael Thomas one-on-one is Michael Thomas being open. Mm -hmm. If he's double-teamed a lot of times, you throw it because you trust him and you say he's going to make a catch. If Jarvis Landry is healthy, we've seen he makes contested catches. When you lose both of those guys, now all of a sudden you don't have a chance to throw that 50-50 pass that maybe you would have thrown you got to wait for a guy to clear because you don't know if he can make that contested catch. He's not as big a body. He's not as physical. He doesn't have that resume where he makes those catches. And those things affect an offense. And then when your entire offensive line at one point or another gets hurt, I don't know how many teams can survive that. Everybody on that offensive line who was projected to be a starter got hurt. Everybody. Who can take that <laughs> so you don't get any continuity? Mm-hmm. And and especially when you lose a guy like your center, Eric McCoy, for an extended period of time. And then Cesar Ruiz, who was playing a really good season, he gets hurt and you lose him. It's really hard to overcome those things. So, again, I don't like to make injury excuses, but you lose Marshawn Lattimore for, for I think, 10 games. Mm-hmm. You lose uh, Paulson Adebo coming into the season because he's injured. Uh, you lose Alante Taylor coming into the season because he was injured. He had to work his way back in. And so all of a sudden, you know, you, you can't get any continuity with, with Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner because they continue to get injured. So it's just hard. And, and everybody says next man up, next man up, next man up. It's such a cliche because if the next man was as good as the first man, he'd be the first man. <laughs> he would not be the next man. Yeah, he would not be the next man. So, you know, there is something to it. Yeah, it's great to have that mantra, but there's something to be said for being the next man because he'd be the first man if he was that good. Sure. So when you make that step down and you're trying to plug and play every week, eventually it catches up to you. Well, a couple things we didn't even mention in a season like that where everybody's injured. Cam Jordan actually has his first game where he misses a game due to injury, not by his choice. He would have gone out there. Was he allowed to? But that's how the season went for the Saints. Even somebody like him who has been available all of the time has to sit out a game. And it's going to be interesting in the offseason. There's going to be 
a lot to evaluate a lot of uh, unrestricted free agents out there for the Saints. So potentials for some moves to be made, but Coach Allen talked about it today. He said that he, they don't have the answers right now. They're going to take the time to evaluate everything top to bottom from mm-hmm. personnel. He even mentioned medical and then coaching staff as well. I mean, how much change do you think is ahead of the Saints over the next few months? Well, I, 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 he also said he didn't feel like they were that far away. They were 7 right. 10. He didn't feel like that far away. But, you know, as Bill Parcells said, you are what your record says you are. And 7 and 10 is three games under 500. And so I don't know if there's just, you know, a drastic overhaul, but there has to be changes because, you know, 7 and 10 isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the coaches have to figure out, okay, did we put these players in the best position to be successful? That's something that is legitimate that they have to look at. Then you've got to say, okay, the players that we have, were they good enough in the positions where we had them? So were we good enough at receiver after we lost Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry? Were we good enough on the offensive line? Were we good enough at at in the secondary when we had the injuries? Were we good enough across the board here and there? So all those things have to be evaluated. I mean, you know, you got to look at this this lineup and you got to say, okay, man, the linebackers look pretty good now injuries you know but you got Demario Davis you got Pete Werner and you got Caden Ellis can you keep them all because Caden Ellis is a free agent Mm -hmm. you know is somebody going to throw something heavy at him to where the Saints can't match it because you've got Davis and you've got Werner and you feel pretty good with those guys you know what do you do along the defensive line Um, Cam Jordan's up Um, Marcus Davenport's up um, Peyton Turner's been injured. You know, what do you do at defensive end to, to get the quality that you want there and be able to be effective there? Because, you know, as much as you like Marcus Davenport, the fact of the matter is his availability has not been good. Mm-hmm. He has not been on the field enough. So you've got to mitigate that against what you would do with him as a free agent or, or in terms of, you know, what you would pay to keep him. You know, you've got to do something at receiver, whether it's depending on Michael Thomas to come back, depending on Jarvis Landry to come back, and that's a lot of depending. Well, and then Landry is only under a year contract, so yeah, he's out. Yeah, so I mean, so now you, you know, do you do you roll the dice again there? Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, there's been some restructuring with with Michael Thomas. So you know, what's going to happen with that situation, or do you feel like you've got Chris Olave, you've got Rashid Shahid, and do you move on with those two and try to? fill in behind them or with them. So, and, and and look, frankly, what do you do at quarterback? I mean, because yeah. this team's going to have to have at some point, maybe not today, tomorrow, but they got to have a quarterback of the future. They've got to have someone, you know, now Jameis Winston's under contract again for next season, but does that union between the Saints and Jameis Winston work? That's something that's got to be figured out into the offseason. That's something that's got to be figured out whether or not, you know, Andy Dalton's worth, you know, trying to get back here because Andy Dalton, I don't think, played poorly. I don't think he played Superman, but I also don't think he played poorly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you do there? It, th- there are a lot of questions that have to be answered, and it begins with the evaluation, really honest, hard self-evaluation, looking in the mirror saying, okay, did we as coaches do – as well as we could have putting these guys in positions to be successful. And if we didn't, you know, what can we change? And also which players are out there can we put in those positions to be successful? Sure. Yeah, there's going to be lots of conversations 
happening way above our heads, but we'll try to, you know, wrap what we can together into stories and report it as it comes out. I know we'll hear from Mickey Loomis coming up later this week, so he might be able to provide some insight. I'll be, I think it'll Mickey be too early. Say, Mickey ain't going to say nothing. He, it'll be a little... <laughs> <laughs> He has perfected the art of saying nothing, which is great for a general manager. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. You know, so he has perfect, but he has perfected the art of saying nothing. And, you know, I, I, I applaud him all the time on that because it's it's hard to not say anything, but he has done it well. Uh, you kind of touched on a couple players, obviously offensively with Rashid Shahid, Chris Olave. Olave did say he's going to focus on bulking up over the summer to help with some of those contested catches. But the young core of this team now, I think that was one of the bright spots when there were the injuries. We did see some of the potential there. They've got some young players. Uh, Chris Olave looks like a stud. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rashid Shahid was a revelation. Look, I, I, I keep saying this, you know, you think back to training camp when the guy was rehabbing from his torn ACL and he was out of sight, out of mind. It was like, you know, he was just a name on a sheet of paper. And it was like, okay, who is this Shahid kid? Right. Can he even play? And then he gets on the field and he turns out not just to be a good returner, but looks like an excellent receiver. So you've got two keepers there. Alante Taylor, the cornerback, second-round pick, a keeper. Uh, Trevor Penning, who unfortunately has, have, has to have Liz Frank yeah. uh, surgery on his right foot, but a keeper. At left tackle, those are four rookies that you feel really, really good about. And then you move on and you've got just some other young players on this team that you still feel really good about, whether it's Pete Werner. Uh, you know, we forget. We, it, it just feels like Marshawn Lattimore has been around forever, but he had <laughs> Paulson Adebo only in his second yeah. year. So there's still more room for growth from him. So there are a lot of young guys on this team that you feel really, really good about. Eric McCoy is still a young player. Cesar Ruiz is a young player. So they've got some young guys on the offensive line. They've got some young guys on the defensive line if they can get them healthy. Uh, they got some young guys at linebacker and Pete Werner and, and Caden Ellis if they can get him back in the house. And they've got some young guys in the secondary. And so when Dennis Allen says he doesn't feel like they're that far away, that's what he's looking at. He's looking at the young talent that this team has that played this year and didn't just play, played very well. And you figure, okay, if you can put in some, you know, if you can supplement some pieces around those guys, you probably have a pretty good roster. Yeah. Uh, there's just so so many questions I think the fan base has about the season going forward. But, I mean, you mentioned there are a lot of good pieces in place here. And you even think about the undrafted free agents that the Saints have hit on. Carl Granderson was one that stood out uh, as the season went along. Jawan Johnson, obviously mm-hmm. another big one. Uh, quiet in the Panthers game. For the most part, but he'd had a great season as well. Yeah, he's turned into a really good receiving threat at tight end, and his blocking improves as the season's going. Look, he's never probably going to be a great blocker. You know, he's not going to be a Rob Gronkowski, but he is a really good receiver. Uh, and he's a guy who can play in this league, I think, for a lot of teams and especially for the Saints uh, as a receiving tight end because I think he winds up with seven receiving touchdowns. He leads the team uh, in, in receiving touchdowns. He's proven to be a good threat there. He's a reliable guy there with hands. So he's going to be a guy who who you can use for the next three, four, five seasons, mm-hmm. I believe, and can be really effective at that tight end spot. So they've done really good. They're going to have to, and they're going to have to be good at at, at unrestricted um, 
free agent rookies this year, too, because of the lack of draft picks. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you bring in 15 of those guys, if you can hit on two or three of them who can make your roster, that supplements your draft class, as they've been able to do for the last several years. And without the draft capital, you have to be able to do it either in unrestricted free agency or you've got to be able to do it with your rookie free, rookie free agents. And they've been able to do it with the rookie free agents the last few years. They definitely have. And Coach Allen said that there's a lot that could still change between now and the draft. No, we're not sitting with any top picks right now. But, you know, there are things that can happen that may change that for the Saints. And then there's stuff that can happen after the draft, as you mentioned, with the signing of some free agents and still moving some players around. How close do you think the Saints are? Coach Allen said that he thinks they're not far off. I, I don't think that I don't really feel like they're that far off either, because even even with the injuries and even with the roster turnover and even with the the quarterback, quote unquote, upheaval. The Saints were seven and ten, but look at the the one score losses. Right, um, Carolina game Sunday, uh, the Tampa game at Tampa. You look at uh, the 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 England um, the the London game, excuse me, against Minnesota. You know that's three games right there that were winnable, mm-hmm. and you win those, and now suddenly it's ten and seven instead of seven and ten. And, you know, you add in a couple more games in there where you feel like the Saints were in position to win the game and weren't able to win the game. And then it's like, whoa, if you can just figure out a way to close these games, if you can just get your execution cleaner down the stretch. The Cincinnati game is one where, you know, they should kick themselves, you know, giving up a 50, 60-yard touchdown right there in the fourth quarter because they can't make a tackle on the sideline. You know, another game where they just – had it, had their hands all over it, and then it slips out of their grasp. So when you look at it from that standpoint, there's hope because you say, okay, these are one-score games where all the things had to do was execute one or two plays down the stretch, and they win those mm-hmm. games. And maybe it's 11-6. and six. Maybe it's 10-7 and seven instead of 7-10. and 10. And that's with inconsistent play at quarterback, you know, for, for a decent portion of the season. So – if you're the Saints, you feel decent about it. Now, here's the thing. Can you defend as well another season as they did this season? Right. Because at some point, cracks start to develop. And the NFL is designed for offenses to score. That's just a fact. I mean, we've seen some wild <laughs> numbers put up yeah, this year. Yeah, that's just a fact. The NFL is designed for offenses to score. So can the Saints still be one of those teams that can get a sufficient number of stops. That's where you start saying, well, okay, can they maintain defensively? Can Cam Jordan, if he's here, hold up and play another good year? Mm -hmm. Can Demario Davis give you another great year? Can Tyron Matthew, who's getting older, give you another really solid year? Those are things that have to be taken into consideration because, you know, father time don't lose. And at some point, guys start slipping and it shows. And when it starts to show, that's when everything goes a little sideways. It was the Saints' sixth loss by one score this season against Six. the Panthers, and it was the third by three or fewer points. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, right there, any of those yeah. games go in a different way. Yeah, you win those three games, you're in. Yeah, you win those three games, you're in, and you're pro- and you're not just in. You're hosting a playoff game because mm-hmm. you win the division. Right, because then there was that <laughs> as well. The division was yeah. not uh, the best in the league. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we're going to sit back and watch some of the playoffs. I don't know. Do you watch 
football after the Saints are out? I do. I do. Um, yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of college football. Now we'll watch the um, the, the, the championship game. But I don't watch a lot of college football. Yeah. And now we're into the NBA season. Really, the only NBA team I'll watch is the Pelicans, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll peripherally catch the other teams every now and then. But I don't sit down and watch a whole game on league pass. That ain't me. I'll leave that to other people. But I will watch the Pelicans, of course. Uh, but I'll watch I'll watch the playoff football games because yeah. you know it gets to be pretty intriguing. It was mixed reviews in the locker room. Not a lot of players in there. But when asking around, Demario Davis said he was not going to watch any more football. He was headed to New York with his wife today, going to get some time off. And Cam Jordan said he would watch all of it. He was watching games yesterday. See, I think I see now. I believe the, now. I believe, I'm more inclined to Cam. When you do it as a as a business, as you know, it's your livelihood. And I think I. I think Demario means what he says, but I think he's going to be watching football because he is a great football player. Right? You can't tell me he's not going to be watching. He's going to be curious to see other yeah. guys saying, "You know what? I could do that," or "He should have done this," or you know, he's going to be watching. So, you know, I, I I know he means well. I know he probably believes it when he says it, but I believe he's going to be watching. One player that was not there in the locker room today was Andy Dalton because he was already on a plane headed to go see that national championship game tonight. Exactly. <laughs> He had to be there, he said, for TCU, obviously, his alma mater. But we'll see what happens as the offseason starts to unfold. It's going to be a busy few months. I mean, the Senior Bowl's coming up, and then you're going to have pro days and draft workouts, and the draft's going to be here before we know it. And then, I don't know, we'll be back here for OTAs and rookie minicamp. And there's not a lot of offseason. No, no. Um, off season's really dried up. It it used to be, you know, <laughs> go dark and you'd have some time off. And now it's like, you know, there is no off season. The off season's like two days. You take a deep breath and then, you know, you start working, worrying about free agency and you start worrying about the draft. And as you mentioned, Senior Bowl and mm-hmm. Combine and, you know, OTAs and, you know, rookie mini camp and, you know, before you know it, you know, we're standing outside in the heat, sweating, watching them, watching them throw the football around. Yeah. So maybe over the next couple of weeks, just sit back, enjoy some some football without having to be invested in it. And then we'll get back into Saints action pretty soon. But I, I appreciate it, J.D. No, no problem. Glad to be here. Always appreciate J.D. taking the time to give us his insight into the team He knows way more than I do, and I love leaning on him. Over the next few months, we will have the Saints podcast. We'll have it a couple more times this week, and then we'll dial it down a little bit, but we will be here for you at least once a week for the next several months. Leading up to the draft, we'll ramp back up, have episodes breaking down our divisional opponents, the NFC South, as far as the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Falcons, what their outlooks are going into the draft. And then we'll have the draft boil. It's always a good time here at Airline. Over the next several weeks, we're going to have player recaps available on NewOrleansSaints.com. So head there to read some of the highlights about each of the players, watch highlight videos, hear some of our favorite quotes from them over the season, and statistically look at what they were able to accomplish over the 2022 year. As JD and I mentioned, there will, as always, be a press conference with GM Mickey Loomis at some point in the future. We will definitely have that available on the site as well and anything that comes out of that conversation. Thanks for joining me on this edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers. Talk to you again on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.
Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.